Welcome to Poets and Writers. This is Henry McCarthy, WEHC 90.7. We have a beautiful and wonderful show for you today. I have two old friends on. They're from Walltown. Well, that's in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And that's the Denham brothers, Bill and Bob Denham. And wow, just many of you have heard uh, Bill Denham and Bob Denham on this show. And Bob is a legend around the campus here and the emeritus professor. Bill Denham is now out in Portland, Oregon, and has had a varied life, very interesting life, and a great poet. So, Bill Denham, welcome to the show today. And as we like to ask you guys, where are you from, Bill? Well, I, I uh, was born in Mooresville, which is like uh, north of Charlotte. And uh, then... Um, we moved to uh, my grandmother's farm during the war when my dad was in service. And then uh, after he got out of service, he, he got a church in White Sulphur Springs, West Virginia. Mm-hmm. So we were there for five years, and then my dad thought, well, the schools are not good enough here. So he took us down to Winston-Salem, and we moved into, what was it, 1026 Walltown Street? Well, there you go, out in Walltown. <laughs> and your brother, Bob Denham, there, he played on the basketball team and went to James A. Gray High School, right, Bob? Talk a little bit about Walltown. Well, Walltown was uh, strictly a working-class neighborhood, community. It might even be accurate to say lower class. Well, <laughs> well um, you know, i got to interject that here. We came down to Walltown from the mountains, and one time my oldest sister asked me what class we were, and I said, we were so far outside the system, we were no class, Bob. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but your dad was minister at the Presbyterian minister there. Yeah, he was a minister at uh, Southminster Presbyterian Church, and he'd been there several years and then had a heart attack, died, and so we were kind of orphans for there for a while. With my mother, with my older brother, had just started Davidson. And uh, I was a junior in high school, and so we managed to get through all that kind of traumatic childhood. Mm -hmm. I look on my gray high years with with great pleasure and fond memories and had wonderful teachers and played ball for Larry Graham. Absolutely. A well-known coach. Everyone uh, of that era remembers Larry Graham. And well, ladies and gentlemen, we, we have the Denham brothers on today, and uh, I knew, I went to their dad's church out in Walltown. You've probably heard me mention that before. They both became uh, very distinguished. They both went to Davidson, uh, all three of you, John included, right? And uh, right. Davidson, as you know, is a very, very good college and university. Bill wound up here and uh, did so many, if you go over in the if you go over in the library, you will find a poetry section donated by Bob and his wife. So definitely we want to thank you for that. Now, back to Bill Denham, since he is in from Portland, Oregon. I've had him on my show before, a great poet. Bill, talk a little bit about now your poetry and how you got into poetry. And also a little bit about living in uh, San Francisco. Yeah, well, um, when, I, when I went to Davidson, and uh, I graduated in 63, and uh, when I, when I, my senior year, in my junior year, I'd gone to France. And that was my first experience outside my sort of provincial North Carolina, Walltown culture. I lived in the French dorm and I made friends. You know, my, my goal was to be able to speak French so I wouldn't be classified as an American. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, I didn't want to be seen right. as an American. You know? right. So uh, I lived in the dorm and I made friends and, and all of my friends were communists. 
Well, there you go. And, and you know, I had grown up thinking communists had tails and horns and stuff, you know, and, and so that, that really switched my frame of reference on the world, you know, like, okay, these are people, you know. So that was sort of the beginning of my awakening. And, and I thought of myself that year, I had a Dr. Bill Goodekunz was my modern poetry uh, teacher, and, and he was an amazing fellow. He, he introduced me to the spoken word, you know, he would, he would speak poems mm-hmm. and they would, you know, they touched me. I, I could, I could feel, you know, what was happening. And, and so I, I started writing poetry when I was in college and I, you know, I still have, you know, five or six from that era that I've managed to save, but uh, I took like a 40 year detour from that. 40 year detour. Yeah. Okay. And I, I lived a pretty insane life. I mean, pretty literally crazy. Um, in my mid-50s, I, I said, well, this, you know, I, I said something's wrong with me. So I started looking at myself and trying to figure out why I'd done such crazy stuff and hurt so many people. And so I, I met a young man then who was 30 years younger than me. He was just gotten out of college, was getting his teaching certificate. And we were in a men's group. Mm-hmm. In in uh, mm-hmm. in Berkeley, California. So he introduced me to the uh, Redwood Men's Center community, and 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 he he kept saying, "Hey, you need to come with me to the annual Memorial Day weekend." And and I, I was terrified to go be with a bunch of guys out in the redwoods. You know, I did. I, you know, it was, <laughs> it was really frightening to me. So, but after three or four years, I went with him. Yeah, did you being on drum? Now I'm, I'm being yeah. witty here, but okay. you know, Iron John, the right the, uh, Bly poet. Yeah, yeah, Robert Bly. So, what'd you guys do out there? Go ahead. You're well, that's a secret. But oh, okay. uh, you know, <laughs> no, it, it it was a transformative experience for me. The first. In the year 2000, Memorial Day weekend, I, I went and it was the last year that Robert Johnson, the Jungian psychologist, had come. He had been a, a fixture among those men. And, you know, I was terrified to be involved with him. So I go out in the woods and read my book, you know, and, and but I listened to Robert Johnson and he, he gave me a way of looking at my life, which was transformative. You know, like I had grown up with the ideas of good and evil. And, and he, he talked about people, everybody has a shadow and, and the purpose of life is to integrate the dark and the light and, you know, become a whole person. And, and so I said, wow, you know, so uh, then on that Monday morning, we, we would sing, we would sing chants in, in, in what they call the Temple of Melodious Sound, which was just a little cabin that the Doug Von Koss, who was the leader there, he would he would instruct us, he would sing a line and then we would echo it and so forth, call and response. And, and some of that was really transcendent. So after one of these transcendent singing experiences with like 40 guys and crammed into this little cabin, and he, he was quiet. And then out of that quietness, he spoke Mary Oliver's poem, The Journey. Mm. And that, that... Can you talk a little bit about that poem? Do you remember a little bit of it? One day you finally knew what you had to do and began. Uh, you know, that's the way mm-hmm. it starts mm-hmm. anyway. <laughs> and I used to have it by memory, mm-hmm. but I don't at the moment. So it was a new beginning for you. Yes. It was. It spoke yeah. to me directly. And I, I went up to him afterward and I said, Doug, who was that? And he said, Mary Oliver. I'd never heard of Mary Oliver. I had no context at all. So I went home from that conference 
and I got a Mary Oliver book, the the uh, DreamWorks, and I read it, and and that was the beginning of my writing poetry. You know, I just started writing. And listeners out there, this is Henry McCarthy of Poets and Writers, WEHC ninety point seven. We have the Denham Brothers here today. We have Bob Denham and Bill Denham, and Bill is talking currently about his life and what led up to his interest in poetry. We'll talk a little bit about living in San Francisco in the 60s and so on. I know you said it was a wild and crazy time, but, you know, we're all intrigued with that era. Talk a little <laughs> bit about that. Well, I, did, I, was, I was still pretty provincial when I got to Berkeley, and, and I was pretty terrified to be among such sharp-witted and, you know, they would do these repartee things, and I was just a Southern boy, and I, you know, <laughs> with a Southern accent. Right. Yeah, and, and you know, so I all I did was study. You know, my my, my wife at the time would would go over to Haight Ashbury and and leave me with our our newborn daughter, and and I would read, you know, Paradise Lost to her. You know, okay, like, all right. Uh, but you know, like okay. I realized after we had left that I had been radicalized. This so, was about what, 1968 we left, okay. uh, you know, got my master's degree at, at UC Berkeley. And so then you, you continued to live out there? Then uh, Well, we moved to Luther College in Decorah, Iowa. Okay. And I, right. ta- I taught there for a year, and John Bailey, my, my department manager, called me in one day and asked me if I was happy there. And I said, yeah, I love it, you know, and it's really, you know. But I, I I discovered later that that was sort of his Norwegian way of saying he wasn't happy with me. <laughs> so so I, I only had one year at Luther College. Well, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that's a sort of a parting way. Uh, uh, yeah, a genteel way of parting with you, right? right yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, now talk some more about your poetry. You've written how many poetry books, and then we want to get you to quote some, and you also have a great story. You listeners out there, you've been back to your high school reunion. Right. So, Bill, we got to talk about your high school reunion, but talk about your poetry, and then your high school reunion, and June Quackenbush. Okay. Wow, that's a big order. (laughs) Well, uh, where to start exactly? Um, We, okay, in, in 2009, we had our 50th high school reunion, and I was living in Berkeley, June Quackenbush, who was a classmate of, of ours, was living in Portland, Oregon, and June Todd Smith was a classmate of ours in 59 who lived in Tuckasegee, Carolina, up southwest of Asheville. So June had written to each of us individually and said, if, if you come to the high school reunion, my husband and I will come too because none of us had ever been to a high school reunion. Uh, I was just talking to June about this this weekend, and, and she was saying that we were both reluctant to go. Both June and I expressed doubts about going, and, and she pushed on us and pushed on us a little bit, and so we ended up going. And I found out that weekend that June Quackenbush had been sweet on me in high school. Absolutely. And... <laughs> She, I, not only that, but when she was 16, she had written a poem that was a prayer to God, and, and it, it basically said, you know, she was praying to God that one day she and her bill would be one. Wow. And she spoke it from mm-hmm. heart. I mean, she had an incredible memory. You know, it wasn't like she was pining for me or anything, but she just, she knew the words by heart. So, so this took place, so you go back to the reunion, 
And then I know that June commented on a math problem that you figured out on the board, right? <laughs> yeah. I would never have been accused of figuring a math problem out on the board, I can assure you. But uh, so that, and so she, but she had carried this uh, with you. And then, then what happened? Well, I, you know, she spoke that poem as we were leaving. Uh, you know, June Quackenbush, whom she had shared that poem with when she was 16, and and we were saying goodbye to June because she had Parkinson's. She had, mm-hmm. she had gone back. But I'll back up a little bit. At the at the banquet, we didn't sit together or anything, but I, I got up from my chair and I turned around and there was June Quackenbush. And, and she looked at me and she said, I need a hug. I said, okay, here's a hug, you know. So and, and then she said, that's what I didn't do all those years ago. And I thought, well, yeah, okay, you know. But then when we went down the hall to say goodbye to her, June... Smith remembered the poem, and she said, tell him the poem. Tell him the poem. And, and June was not really, I mean, she was a little reluctant, but she finally spoke it, and th- that caught my attention. You know, I was the subject of the poem. So then you, this became quite a love story. So then well, uh, yeah. you went, uh, talk a little bit about Well, I mean, we, I, I, you know, we traded emails address. Okay. We started emailing, and, and I, I would write these long, long, you know, tsunami kind of emails, mm-hmm. and June would write back a little haiku type of email, okay. you know. So, and, and so it wasn't long before we were talking on the telephone every night, and then well, it wasn't long before I said, how far is it to Portland anyway? And, and so it was 627 miles door to door. And uh, December 27th, 2009, we, we were together at the reunion September 19th. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a few months later, I drove to Portland with a good friend of mine from the men's community. Okay. I dropped him off in Eugene, drove on to Portland. I arrived at her, her front door like 4.30, 5 o'clock in the afternoon, and I was welcomed. So, so that began, so you uh, went there, you... Became uh, partners. You lived together how long? Then? Well, we would, you know, I had a very full life. Okay. Okay. In in the Bay Area, you know, I had my men's community. I had good friends. My son was living there in Oakland. And um, so, but after that first visit, I, I woke up the morning I was to leave with an image of my best friend's little girl in my, my fa- you know, my mind. And I just burst into tears, you know, I was just wept. I couldn't help it because I knew that I would miss Kira's upbringing. That was her name, Kira, Kira Morris. And, and um, so, but it, it, so I also knew that I was gonna end up in Portland and so I needed to grieve, I needed to take care of everything. So we spent three and a half years visiting each other back and forth. Okay, then she became ill or she had... Well, she had Parkinson's. Parkinson's. She was diagnosed with Parkinson's when we reconnected. I I knew she had Parkinson's, so... And you took care of her. You helped take care of her. Well, yeah. I mean, I I just say, hey, we've got Parkinson's, you know, like, you Mm -hmm. know, this this is what we've got, so we'll do the best we can with it. You both love poetry. Yeah. And you both had some had some real in-depth experiences in your life to right. share. And so I know that you wrote a poem not long ago to her. Now, she's passed on, Yes, yeah. December and 29th. W- would you share that uh, poem with our audience out there on Poets and Writers today? Well, 
uh, on June passed away December 29th, sitting sitting on the sofa in our living room, and and um, on January 20th, I, I woke up in the morning with the these words. I, you know, they just came to me. So I, I got up, I went directly to my laptop, and I opened it up, and and this this is what came out. It was um, I call it a blessing. I'm not sure it's going to come to me, Henry, but let's see. Um, well, share a little bit about it, the themes in it and so forth. Well, I mean, yeah. the the idea was I woke up with, with um, that I needed to pass on the love that June and I shared with each other. Mm-hmm. I reach out my hands. I, I lay them on you in blessing, a blessing I give to you from my whole being. May the love that June and I shared, her love of me and my love of her, both and each a very human love, a love of growth, a love of imperfection, be now with this gesture passed on to you that you may take it in, feel its presence in your daily life, and so then spread it abundantly with the world around you. May it grow in your heart. May it deepen as your days pass. May it multiply as long as you are given breath. May it be so. May it always be so. Very beautiful. Bill Denham quoting uh, a love poem to June Quackenbush. I'm going to put you on the spot, Bill. I want mm-hmm. to tell you what, do you, what do you think happens to us uh, after we die, when we die? Boy, I got no idea. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that takes care but of that. I, I, I will tell you a story. When... You know, I, I don't remember when it was, but I was walking from my home over to the local hardware store because I, I don't want to drive much anymore. So I, I, I'm trying to walk everywhere. And so I, and, and I was almost at my destination. I was going to pick up some two-sided tape that I was going to use to, to paste June's poems up on the, the church windows that, where we were going to do a memorial. And, and just as I was <clears throat> approaching approaching the hardware store, a homeless woman approached me and started her spiel, you know, like, and so I, I you know, I heard her, and I, I don't remember what she said, but I, I said, hey, I don't have any money. You know, my wife's just died. You know, my income's been cut by 60%, and, and you know, and then she kept talking, and, and I don't remember our conversation clearly, but we were engaging, you know, like I was looking her in the eyes. She had this white cataract on her right eye. It was just covered the whole iris and and so you know we were engaged she asked me about my St. Bridget's cross which I wear around my neck and so I talked to her about that and and then she suddenly just looked at me and said I need a hug absolutely and and so I gave her a hug you know and she was small and slight and disheveled and you know dirty and you know but I just held her and I felt that she was not relaxed so I just said breathe deeply and she she relaxed, and then we, we we broke, and we had a little more, and so. But what you know, it felt. This is going back to your question about what happens after death. It felt to me like June's presence, Jeez. you know, mm-hmm. because she, she used the exact mm-hmm. same words, and I, I, you know, I have no way of explaining it. 
But, it, you know, I wrote a poem about it, but I can't quote it. But, you know. Well, I think that's a, certainly a good illustration and a, perhaps a metaphor for, um, you know, what happens after we uh, die. Many people, you folks, uh, you both grew up in the Presbyterian Church, so you knew you were predestined to do something, <laughs> and I couldn't resist that because I don't know how many times I've sat through those discussions. But uh, we were talking today with the Denham brothers, uh, Bill and Bob Denham, and Bill, a fine poet, a very fascinating person. Bob Denham, gosh, many of you know him from his years, many years on the Emory and Henry College campus. Bob, talk a little bit about your family now. Talk a little bit about your wife and your children. Well, I have two children and three grandchildren. Uh, my daughter, Kristen, went to Swarthmore College and is a professor of linguistics at the University of Western Washington. She chairs the department there, and she's had a very successful academic career. And she has three children, Ella and Ivy, twins, and they both have finished college and are out in the world. And um, Jack, a son who was born in 2000 on income tax day. Mm -hmm. So, so you can always remember that, yes. <laughs> Uh, my son Scott is a professor of uh, German at Davidson. He's been there since 1990, the only job he's ever had. And his proud father is eager to let the world know that he's just been named. A, a professorship has been named for him. Wow. My uh, goodness. The, the Scott Dunham yeah. Professorship. So, so he's, in, he's, he's had a very successful career at Davidson College. And your wife, is that you guys met there when you were at James High School, and I remember she went to another school, but she's also a very good artist. I know your wife. Yeah, my is. wife, Rachel, is, uh, we got married after I graduated from college, and she taught at Fairham College for her entire academic career, except in the Smith County school system, where she first started teaching. But uh, we both retired in 2004. I was teaching at Roanoke College then. The then you came back. You had founded, uh, gosh, you have such a history here at Emory & Henry, Iron Mountain Press. Also, if you go over to the library, there is a poetry section, and it is just outstanding, a poetry room. And, Bob? 2,900 volumes. 2,900 <laughs> volumes over there, and I'm not, I've read every one of them, Bob, as you know. <laughs> Each time I go over there, my goodness gracious. I pulled one out one time, and a picture of a friend of mine who's a poet who lives, Michael Hogan, down in Mexico. Quick story. And I sent it, it was him in there with Allen Ginsberg back in his beat days. Michael Hogan, I sent it to him. He said, oh, my goodness, where'd you find this? And I told him, I said, over there in the Bob Denham collection. So there you go. How many books you got over there? 2,900. 2,900. Oh, we're just having a fantastic job here. And I I know that you collected those over years and years, and I know that also Charles Wright from down in Kingsport, you've done a lot of research on him. But I'll tell you, one of the things you did it was at Iron Mountain Press, and you did that all by hand, I think. I mean, it was something like Ben Franklin, and I know Robert Morgan and so many of them, you gave gave them their start there, Bob, with the publication. Yeah, I did letterpress printing, handset type, for 10 years, 1976 on. Yeah. And I guess maybe we did hundreds of broadsides and maybe 15 to 20 books, small chapbooks. Well, and you also have some collections down at Davidson, too, I think. At, yeah, they've got uh, pretty mm -hmm. much a full run of everything mm -hmm. that we printed. 
the press. All right. We're talking with the Denham brothers, and then there was John, who became a doctor. See, they, uh, we grew up out in Southside, and I went to their father's Presbyterian church, and then he passed away, and these fellows went on to Davidson, fine academic institutions, but I went to one that's not as well-known, East Tennessee State, and as we talked earlier, they gave me a pretty good one, too. I hitchhiked across the mountain. They said, you're out of state. You owe us another $65. And all I had was $200 in a note from Jewel Spock. Do you all remember Jewel Spock? You run into the moderator anyway. Yeah. He signed it. He signed my note. Okay, now I love talking about myself, but i got to get back here to our special guest. We've got the Denham Brothers, but we've got Bill Denham here, an excellent poet, Give us a few more. Just talk a little bit about your poetry, just briefly, and then we're going to have to wrap up the show here today. Well, uh, I, I think of my poetry as, as uh, being entirely autobiographical. Well. Uh, you know, re regardless of the subject matter, it, because it, it, it comes directly out of my experience. And my, my attempt is to find the words to describe what I what I'm feeling or what I've experienced and I feel like if I get if if I can nail it if I can get the words accurately then those words will resonate with somebody else maybe just one person maybe 20 people maybe several hundred you know mm -hmm. but it, it, I, mm -hmm. the, the, my effort is to find the words but you know sometimes the words just come to me okay give us a couple of titles here today my excellent uh, producer Ivy Shepherd's well, watching the clock okay Oh, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I've got one called The Lover's Trees, which I wish I could call up to memory, but I don't The think Lover's Trees? The Lover's Trees, and and it's based on a— Well, that's easy. You make love under a tree, Bill. I got no, you No, it's, it's about a birch tree and a—, and a uh, what's, the, what's the other tree? A birch and a—do you remember, Bob, the, where the one grows around the other? Entangled. Gum. It's a gum a tree. Gum, a gum tree and a birch tree. So the gum tree wraps itself around the birch— and it looks like uh, an embrace, you know. So they, the people, the local people, like the Carter family, you know, they, oh, absolutely, they, uh, you know, they call them the lovers' trees. So uh, I was visiting my brother, you know, a bunch of years ago, and and uh, we walked out, and they showed me a picture of the lovers' trees, and Bob's wife took a, a picture of it and sent it to me, and so I turned into a poem. So. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> I'm just having a great time, and we didn't even get around to the Carter family, but that certainly reminds me of one of their songs, and we'll play a little bit of Carter family today. And I want to thank both of you guys for being on the show today. Bill Denham, Bob Denham, it's just been a pleasure. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. All right. This is Henry McCarthy saying, do not wait up for me. I'm going out to write a poem and watch the children play. Thanks for listening, and thank you, Ivy Shepherd. Last night the pale moon was shining Last night when all was still I was wandering alone in sadness Out among the woodland hills I heard the birds singing Out among the trees and hills And all the birds, my darling, were singing of you. Worse.